0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I am Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon, as always. Shay, we're back in it after uh, Omaha, the Tigers taking the national championship, beating Florida, uh, really breaking uh, my brother in law, who has now lost uh, every single LSU Florida major matchup since he's met me. So uh, he's ready to evict me from the family. Uh, Shay, you were up there. Let's let's start there. What was the atmosphere like?
1: All LSU people and a <laughs> little bit of Florida fans in there, probably mostly parents of players uh, and then a few diehards. But, boy, they're, when they say LSU takes over, over Omaha, it was a no-doubter. I mean, there were, I'd say, 95% of the people up there were LSU fans. And uh, then they had, what, the championship. We're recording this on a Thursday. They had that championship parade or not parade, but celebration at Alex box. I saw they had just about 10,000 there, maybe a little more. So baseball fans love it. They absolutely love it. And shout out to a bunch of folks, Elvo, others that I met up there that are members of the site that came and said, what's up. And we talked a little recruiting. So uh, it was good to get out there and see some, uh, some Bengal tigers. I had my head on the swivel for a founders club hat, but I didn't spot one.
0: Well, uh, speaking of which, I've got mine. You can still get one uh, as long as you subscribe to the dot Check it out. Uh, I'll bump the instructions once again. We've seen a lot of people jump on board as recruiting is heated up. And Shay uh as of right now, as we're recording this, uh, has had four commitments come on board in the month of June. They got a top 100 prospect for on three in uh, Nashville area cornerback Andre Evans. Uh, they got Joel Rogers out of the state of Louisiana, a four-star safety. They also landed two Louisiana wide receivers in Kylan Billiott and Michael Turner. We're going to talk a little bit about some decisions that are coming up, but let's lead off with uh, the highest rated one for on three, Andre Evans. And this is a really one of those cool moments, I, I think, of the summer, just kind of as we recap some some commitments to kind of kick off the podcast here. We kind of saw the moment that he really felt like LSU was the place for him. It was at camp as he wrapped up his multi-day visit. And then uh, he committed right before he got back on campus for that official visit.
1: Yeah, this was, this was one that I think you look back on. And as you noted, it, it's fun. Each summer in June, you have those like Ashton stamps a year ago. We'll talk about a couple more uh, here shortly. But guys who – come to camp, earn the offer, really show out at camp, uh, and then you're able to push for their commitment. Talking to Andre Evans in his camp, it was a wild few weeks for him because they kicked things off at Georgia, boom, got an offer. Went to Bama camp, boom, got an offer. Went to LSU, and LSU offered just before camp because they had seen, hey, look, he's going to these other camps. Let's get an offer out there. We want to be able to get him down here. And then it was a no-brainer. Billy, we were there. He was arguably the best corner at camp, certainly that day uh, that he worked out. We saw Brian Kelly pull him aside. They talked for a while, and he very quickly shut things down, canceled all remaining visits, rescheduled uh, the OV for LSU, to put it uh, that following week and, and that following Thursday, he committed to LSU right before he made his official visit. So we're talking about a kid who's, you know, got very good size, got good length, tested well at camp has some good film for a kid who's really just diving into playing corner. That's another thing you look at here. His upside is is very clear. And as you noted, we've already got him as an on three top 100 prospect, which makes him one of the best corners in the country. And Billy, in a year where they really needed to rebuild the cornerback room through the high school ranks, like not taking four transfers at corner, which they've done the past two cycles, but leaning more on guys in and developing them, I really like what they've done now, uh, having Andre Evans on board, who is your highest ranked guy. But Juwan Johnson is one of the best athletes in the state of Louisiana. He looked great at camp. Wallace Foster uh, is healthy again. He looks solid at camp as a nickel. So I like how this DB class overall, but even also at corner is, is starting to shape out.
0: Yeah, I, I love the Andre Evans get and and as we'll kind of dive into some other guys, but you know, LSU still recruiting guys like Kai Bates and Kobe Black and and some of those other elite prospects at the cornerback position. But you have one now in Andre Evans on board, Zion Ferguson, a guy that we thought would probably not end up in this class. He'd be committed. He's going to North Carolina. He's got a lot of family up there, a very natural kind of parting of ways there. It seems like he never got back to campus. But to get Andre Evans on board, that's an upgrade. Um, I've gotten a chance to watch both prospects in person and no disrespect to Zion, but I just think Andre Evans just put together such a great resume. He backed it up with a great camp showing. Um, I'm going to see him uh, the second week or the second or the last weekend in August when he goes up against George McIntyre, and I- I'm expecting him to to battle and, and certainly make a statement in that game. Um, he's coming off a great summer, and I-, I just think he's a really quality land and a great guy that fits into the culture too of what Brian Kelly and his staff are trying to do.
1: Oh, he's a great kid. uh, High GPA. I mean, he's and a great football player. So he's uh, he's someone as the number one prospect in Tennessee on on three that uh, LSU was pumped to land. I'll also say you mentioned the decommitment and it being kind of a natural thing. There's been some decommitments this month, but not from guys that we didn't think had a chance to one day end up in someone else's class. Because, for instance, with the Zion Ferguson. He committed so early. I think he might have been their first commitment in the class, at least one of the first. And when you do that as an out-of-state kid who's got a lot of offers and you've got family um, that's even further away from where you are in Georgia that's over on the North Carolina side on the East Coast, we just figured when we saw him making visits and then not just that, but couple it with that was a year ago when he committed. Since then, we've they've offered Andre, they've offered Kai Bates, they've gotten other corners to campus that have emerged that – really weren't firm in the picture at that point. So I I don't consider that to be a big loss. Like that's not something that you should say, man, why are guys jumping out of LSU's class? It's more something that LSU kind of knew was going to happen. And we're already planning for it with
0: obviously pushing for guys like Andre Evans and Kai Bates. Yeah. And look, it's good news for LSU to have Deshaun McBride and Joel Rogers on board because LSU did see Maurice Williams go elsewhere I think with Joel is the one that, you know, kind of kicked off June uh, on the run of commitments to get a guy from Louisiana who's a highly rated safety. I, I, we love him on our end of things and LSU beat out A&M. He canceled his trip to Alabama. This was a masterclass in how to recruit the state of Louisiana. If you're LSU, get them on board early. Don't even let them mess around um, with some of these you know, other SEC programs that are trying to mine the state, especially, this is a a, a great pickup. I, I think this is gonna be one we look back on and and you know, really, really say, all right, the safety position was solidified with Joel Rogers' commitment.
1: Yeah, like you said, adding him and Deshaun McBride, who are the two best safeties in Louisiana and really two of the best safeties in the country. And again, I went out to Joel Rogers ceremony. You could just tell, I mean, he was surrounded by his mom and dad and his family. But when his coaches talked about him, um, whether that was Devin DeCote or uh, just catching up with Hudson Fuller, who coached him for three years and is now the head coach at Catholic High, obviously, Um, but they rave about Joel Rogers. And both Devin and Hudson have worked at LSU as GAs, and they know what it takes to play at an LSU. And both of them said, look, this is a guy who is a no-brainer, and he's a top-five player in the state right now. That's always what you want. He already, yes, he plays quarterback in high school, but he also plays DB. So he's got that experience already at safety. He talked about how playing quarterback helps him a ton at DB because he knows what quarterbacks are looking for and how they diagnose things. So I'm with you. He's we've said it from the start, before they even offered him, that we thought he was one of the better players in the state. I uh I love this addition. I think you could put him up there with Andre Evans. Maybe higher is my favorite land of of the month of June for LSU. I,
0: I think uh, he's he's a really quality safety, and and I think the great thing about Joel Rogers is is he's just scratching the surface. You know, he he's not somebody that has played safety a ton. He's played it for his high school, but he's the quarterback there. You know, that's where his primary focus is, and he just continues to kind of work and grind, and you know developing that defensive back ability and, and the technique that he's going to need when he gets to LSU. Um, I think with his speed, I, I think he checks the boxes athletically. I, I really, I, I'm really high on what LSU got in Joel Rogers uh, this summer to kick off June. Um, but I'm also high on what LSU reeled in the first of two Louisiana wide receivers. Kylan Billiot, uh is the first one that jumped on bone out of, uh, jumped on board out of Tara Bone um, and a guy I think we could see rise up the rankings if he puts together a strong senior season. He put together strong back-to-back camp performances at LSU, uh, both both in the elite camp and in the seven-on-seven tournament, which led them to offering, and he jumped on board right away. Um, I, I think with his size, that's something that LSU is getting in this class that just from the looks of it, they're not, they weren't going to really get um, before Kylan, Kylan Billiot jumped on board. But now they have a really true outside receiver who's got some athletic upside and uh, some developing to go with uh, that they can build around on the outside receiver position.
1: 100%. And we saw him a year ago at Camp Billy, you and I were watching when he worked out alongside Omarion Miller, who was a four star and one time LSU commitment, and who had been playing a lot of football He's entering his senior year Billy out at the time was really just moving from basketball to football. And there wasn't much separation. And you could see the athleticism. He's a legit 6-3. He's got the frame to add any type of weight you'd like to he can be a jumbo receiver for you. And for me, and we'll talk more about this here in a little bit, but if you the hit rate on Louisiana receivers is so high. I mean, there is not I've said this a million times on the podcast, like name an out of state receiver that has really been a game changer, difference maker for LSU, and you're going back to Brandon LaFell or Terrence Tolliver. So the state will always give you receivers. How are you evaluating it? And I think as they went through the summer, and we'll talk about both these guys here, they felt like that billiott was one of, if not the best receiver in the state and certainly maybe has the most upside of anybody given he hasn't played a ton of football.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I I just, I I think what Cortez Hankton is going to have to do is continue to develop that route tree of his. Um, And that's just from him, not playing that much football. And I'm really interested to see how he does as a senior. um, If he can put together a even better season than he did the year before, if he does that, You know, athletically, he's checked the boxes enough to see him move up, in my opinion. And I think he's kind of earned a little bit of a bump up from the 87 that we have him at as well, um, just based off his camp performance. But uh, he's somebody that I think LSU is going to be very happy with long term in this receiver class. Another guy I think they're going to be happy with, you know, if he can put some weight on is Michael Turner. Uh, Out of John Curtis, LSU picked picked up his commitment um, in the last week as well. After they offered following his camp performance, look that John Curtis offense, uh, it doesn't really help out receivers much at all. Um, But Michael Turner got worked out uh, privately by Cortez Hankton and uh, Mike Denbrock was there. They liked what they saw enough to offer and they got him on board quickly thereafter.
1: Watching on YouTube right now, Uh, you get to see this is some video we took when, uh, when we were at the camp and he was going through that private workout with Cortez Hankton and, Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock all watching on. And this was after he had already camped multiple times and very much did what Ashton Stamps did a year ago, which was go to camp, come back to camp, continue to work for the staff, and leave at the end of the month uh, You know, with an offer in from the Tigers. And uh, look, there you can see me. I took a seat right there behind Hankton. I was front row, Billy. You were on the camera. I was just watching. Um, But I thought we – you can – yes, Michael Turner – We'll have to put on some weight to play in the SEC. And he plays in an offense right now, John Curtis, where he's not there there. You're not getting a ton of looks that you do uh, when you're kind of getting a a glance at film of these wide receivers who they are throwing the ball, you know, 40 times a game in high school. So to be able to watch him go through the myriad of routes that they had him kind of work on, you could see he caught the ball very well. You could see the speed. He's sudden. I think this was a guy that, again, much like a Billy Ott, that you look back on, and if he had gone to another school and had some success, you would have done like a Kyron Lacey and been like, okay, well, let's go get him now. And instead of waiting on the transfer portal, it's let's bank on Louisiana receivers. They typically pan out. We feel like we can develop them. We've got enough receivers in the room to where all those guys are going to push each other and get better. I, When I look at Kobe Young out of Holy Cross, who committed um, to Georgia Tech, uh, but didn't ever make it to LSU's campus. Um, he's been on the on three consensus or the industry rankings uh, ranked above those two guys, but I don't see any major gap uh, if I'm looking at long-term projection and all of that of what they can do when they get to a college campus. Um, again, I, I like the Michael Turner ad. I like the Billy out ad, especially since they're not, it's not like they're stacking up on out of state receivers right now. So get your evals in buckle in and trust, you know, your eyes, and if you feel like, hey, let's move on these two guys, then I have no argument against it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, and look, I mean, we'll talk about it in a, in a few minutes uh, as far as two other wide receivers LSU uh, is after and 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 one with a decision we know is coming soon. But you have JoJo Stone who reaffirmed his commitment. Um, now you have Michael Turner. Now you have Kylan Billiott. You have a very clear base of what your receiver class is. And We think they're going to add another. Um, We don't know when. It's probably the uh, most quiet recruitment uh, we've covered in a minute. Uh, But LSU is addressing the receiver position with, I think, guys that can play and each bring a little bit of something different to the table, which I think is important. And the way LSU went about evaluating these guys is important too, because they didn't get guys that I feel like are just good. They have guys that are committed that, in one way or another, have some elite traits that you can build on. Um, It's pretty unbelievable. You know, Michael Turner's speed, Kylan Billiott's upside, and he ran a 4.59 laser at LSU. It's pretty darn good. Um, So I I feel like this is a a receiver class that, you know, might not have the star power that the last class did, but uh, you have some guys that you can certainly build with.
1: Yeah, when, I mean, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this podcast, but Draylon Miller, one of their tar- longtime targets, who's been down to LSU, A&M, and Southern Cal, is set to announce at 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time on Thursday evening. So if you're listening before, our feeling is that he ends up at the Aggies. If you're listening to this after... If he's not ended up with the Aggies, then something changed in those final 24 hours, uh, whether it be on LSU or Southern Cal's end to to flip him. But I think you turn right around and look at another four-star in Texas uh, who, as you noted, they're trending from Jelani Watkins and they got Jelani to campus and Billy, he was on that weekend visitor list of the final group. So they got the final official visit for him. They also got the only official visit that he gave anybody in June and Not only did they roll out the red carpet in football, and he has no doubt a take for the staff. Cortez Hankton loves him. Um, But when you look at the track side as well, I think that's what's also really compelling. Beyond the reality that Watkins and his family are from just outside New Orleans, his brother played at Riverside uh, for a bit before they moved to Texas. And then his brother went to Klein Forest and signed with TCU. And now he's out at New Mexico, Um, maybe New Mexico or New Mexico state. One of the two, uh, Amani Watkins, but now jelani is still at climb forest coming through he'll be a senior and we feel good about lsu being able to get him to come back home to louisiana be part of the class it would be wide receiver commitment number four and you see him there listed at five nine i was told that um multiple uh stops now he's measured in just right at 510. the speed is there for days i mean the kid ran a 10-3-3 in the 100 in the state finals in Texas and then ran a twenty thirty nine in the 200 in the state finals, won the 200. Billy, I don't know what y'all are doing in Texas. It's absolutely ridiculous that you can run a 10-3-3 and not get in first place in the 100-meter, but um, that 6 A group was, uh, was pretty wildly incredible uh, of guys who were sprinters in this class. But Watkins being one of the guys who also plays football, He's the heir apparent to an Aaron Anderson. He's got the slot value, speedy receiver, can catch the football. And you don't, it's not like he has to come in and play immediately, but he can do things for you in the return game. He can do things for you, uh, like I said, in the slot. And they've got Aaron Anderson now. We'll get our first taste of him this year. And then I think that's what's coming if you get a guy like Jelani Watkins, who we both feel very good about ending up at LSU.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't know what it was about the state championship. I almost want to say it was a little windy um, in Austin for, for those, but I could be wrong because uh, some of those times are just stupid um, in, in every sense of the word. Um, and Jelani Watkins has that speed that you covet. Um, and if Jelani Watkins puts it all together in, in college and becomes this di- dynamic playmaker that he has the talent to be, I mean, he's going to be a high draft pick. Um, Just the way the NFL is and getting guys like him in space. And I'm intrigued to see him this fall. He's one of the prospects that I got to see in person because it's kind of interesting. His high school, there's just not much stuff out there on him. Not only is Jelani very quiet overall, and the only time I think we've been able to catch up with him is if somebody caught him at a track meet, honestly, Um, but they're, they're Even the stats are kind of like incomplete coming out of his high school. So he's going to be a really key eval for us on our side of things. Um, so I, I want to get down to Houston and obviously see him um, in person and, and get to chat with him. And uh, we assume it's going to be LSU. We've heard from multiple sources that it is, you know, you feel really, really good about where things stand with LSU. So to get this type of speed in this class will be really, really impressive. For LSU, if they can uh, push Jelani Watkins across the finish line and who knows, they'll they'll kick the tires on on some guys. I'm sure they're OK with taking five receivers in this class if it's the right group. Um, and we'll continue to monitor that um, as the fall goes along. And, and um, you know, maybe somebody pops up in July. Who knows? Uh, that's that's recruiting. It can kind of be fluid. It's like people asking for D-line names. You know, there are guys out there that they're probably evaluating and starting to kind of keep warm for the fall just in case they turn it up and you know we'll see what happens
1: yeah i think that getting those four on board would be huge you signed a really good four-man class last year you'll obviously malik neighbors will be gone after this year you see where brian thomas and kyron lacy stand with the nfl draft um but they've got some good youth in there and they've got guys still in the room ibeata chris hilton um I guess I could pull up the depth chart and look at others. I don't want to forget anybody, but talent is there. I think that now you look at how does this freshman class emerge and like who really becomes playmakers out of it. And then you see kind of a, what value this next wave is bringing you. But if they get Jelani Watkins on board, that's huge for track and football. So that would be a nice two sport pickup, um, much in the same vein of a guy like Kerry Vincent.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well, good comparison there. And, and LSU had him on campus actually a whole day earlier than the rest of the official visitors so that he could do all the track things and then kind of jump on board with the official visit timeline that kind of everybody else goes through. So LSU is doing everything they can to get Jelani Watkins on board. Um, Shay, our podcast sponsor, uh, Rogue Shop is also doing some big things uh, around the 4th of July. So people got to jump on board uh, because I do want to plug their Uh, current uh, deal that they got going through July 6th with promo code BT20, so Bengal Tiger, but BT20, you can get 20% off all edibles on rogueshop.com. They have two new edibles, the Delta 9 uh, Live Rosen 25 milligram gummies. Uh, They're all natural. And then the new strongest gummies you can get are now up and they are 275 milligram Delta Eight gummies, uh, Shay. Um, I will say this: uh, the pain cream coming in clutch for me lately. Um, I've been golfing a lot. I also hurt my wrist playing hockey, uh, and it's coming in clutch to kind of calm that pain down to kick off the day as the kind of wrists open up a little bit. Um, they just bring the bring the goods. Richard and Char uh, with Rogue Shop.
1: Yeah, usually ten percent off uh, with our promo code. You get twenty now. So uh, if you've been thinking about it or you need to place a reorder. Uh, Go ahead and jump on it. Save a little bit of money. I I was waiting for this ad read because I actually, for the first time, did get the pain cream. This was post-injury. I was not playing hockey or playing golf. I was doing nothing. I think I was just sitting, um, living a very sedentary lifestyle in my chair, and I just turned to look at something and tweaked my back. Um, I'm sure some listeners can uh, have been there before. Loaded up on extra strength Tylenol, did nothing. Uh, went and got some spray and all that to spray it on there, just trying to numb it down. Uh, but the cream came in, I tried it, and I will back you up, Billy. It
0: actually works. Yeah, this is the time to jump on board with, with Rogue Shop. You can get your gummies 20% off, all edibles. That's promo code BT20. And then you can also just use our Bengal Tiger promo code That that's just Bengal Tiger for 10% off your orders. So maybe you want to do two separate orders and, and take advantage of the gummy, uh, and edible discount, however you want to do it. Check it out. Richard and Char, they'll help you all the way through it with the live chat as well. So we love rogueshop.com. Check it out. Um, might be, uh, you know, having some of the gummies over the fourth and, and just kind of relaxing as recruiting has wound down in a sense for the month of June with the dead period now here. Uh, but Shay, uh, even with the dead period, there are some decisions happening. We talked about Draylon Miller Thursday night. But Friday, and we have kind of no idea when, but Ethan Calloway, the four-star offensive lineman from North Carolina, is set to make his decision. Um, this is one that, once again, LSU feels really good about. And after a week that you know saw Weston Davis commit to Texas A&M, Blake Ivey uh, trending to uh, Texas A&M as well, LSU can go out into the state of North Carolina and land a top 100 overall prospect on on three, the state's number one prospect out of North Carolina. I would love to see uh, Ethan Cowley jump on board here on Friday if I'm Brad Davis.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. As you, I mean, look, if you're, again, watching on YouTube, Billy does a good job of putting up the profiles uh, right on cue so we can get a feel for who they are. LSU big time lead on the on three RPM. Uh, Billy, your pick's already in. Um, By the time people are listening to this, my pick will be in. So we're both riding LSU here. This is a guy. Okay, I'm I'm about to drop some tidbits here. I'm actually about to drop these on the board as well. Um, But I'll let podcast listeners know kind of what you're getting when you're a member of the site. Talked to a source this morning. They reminded me. I would not even had this didn't even register to me because so many people had said, man, it felt like. And I talked to some other people at other colleges and they said. In Florida, Penn State, Georgia, early on, there were a lot of teams that felt good about Ethan Callaway. And then all of a sudden, LSU gets that final OV and the picks start rolling in. And you look at it and you're like, oh, then LSU must have won him over on that final weekend. And I reminded people, look, he visited for a game in the fall. He visited in the spring and then he gave them his final OV. That's three visits in nine months, Billy, for a kid from North Carolina. So the interest was obviously always there. He was always very high on LSU. And now you're seeing do jobs start to finish, not just start to finish. I was reminded of this this morning. LSU was his very first college offer. And they said he didn't forget that. And he gave us three visits in nine months. He gave us the final OV. So for a kid who has kept quiet with kind of really where he's leaning, if we're following his actions, Billy, it's pointed to LSU for some time now with that amount of visits, with being the first offer, with being a guy that Brad Davis had high on his board, giving LSU the final visit before he announces. All of those things point right to LSU. I'll toss in one more here. The upda- updated measurements, six, six and a half, right in that 320 range. But word is, and I didn't get to see him in person. Um, they didn't have camps the weekend, they had these OVs, but that he looks like he's about 270 pounds. I mean, clean build no bad weight uh and a wingspan over 83 inches billy that's elite so when i talked to a couple of different sources not just at lsu who said oh if i'm lsu and i'm looking at callaway blake ivy um a number of the, these other guys even uh, a guy like weston davis who largely has played basketball for a long time uh and is considered one of the best prospects committed a and m recently Uh, at offensive tackling this class that Calloway is above the Ivies or the, you know, Ori Williams or Marcus Mascall guys who are really good players, but are really guys you're going to need to develop. You can see already Calloway is a very good football player, not just from his highlights, but uh, from college coaches who've watched all the game film. Uh, They said, Hey, this kid on three's got it right. This is one of the 10 best offensive tackles in the country. If LSU pulls this one off, we think they will. This will be one of the biggest additions of the class. And, these fans have said, we're about to talk about Louisiana. Yeah, you can lock down Louisiana, but you still got to go out of state and get a big name. He fits the bill.
0: Yeah, completely. And and I think with you know Kyrie Lee already committed along the interior, this is a great piece with, with Ethan Callaway. If they can push this one across the finish line, you feel good about where Ori Williams stands, the San Marcos offensive tackle as well. So LSU has been reloading that offensive tackle position, and to get those two guys would be massive, for the long-term development because you have guys that are going to be holding it down for the next, you know, really couple seasons, and that will give them time. They get to campus to develop. And I think Brad Davis, you know, he misses one. Weston Davis, he took a big swing at Blake Ivy, Wasn't necessarily expecting him. Marcus Mosco was tough. But if you can get Ethan Callaway and Ori Williams, two guys that – and depending on who you talk to, at, at you know, on the college side – LSU loves Ori Williams. I mean, they really are high on him. So to get two guys that they value uh, as highly as they do with those two prospects would be really, really key to solidifying that offensive tackle spot long term. And we know when you recruit tackles, sometimes you can even move them into guard and it works out pretty well. So LSU is reloading this offensive line. Once again, Brad Davis, we've talked about it. He casts as wide a net as anyone and gets guys to campus. And usually, since he's been at LSU, the numbers and the prospects that he's gotten has worked out pretty well for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got Kyrie Lee committed, and he's a true interior guy. And even then, Billy, he we saw him at camp. He has shed well over 20 pounds, 25, 30 pounds probably, over the past six months when his season came to an end. So he's putting some serious work into his body as he enters his senior year, and you like to see that. But we're going to see this as a recurring theme here from Brian Kelly and Brad Davis. And because Brian Kelly did this at Notre Dame, and I think it's a big reason he had a lot of success identifying and then developing offensive linemen into NFL players, they're going to recruit a lot of offensive tackles. And as you just said, some of those guys will kick inside. It's a lot easier for you to go get a Connor Gilbreth who is a jumbo tight end and make him an offensive tackle or go get a bunch of offensive tackles and slide some of them inside and put a little weight on them because you can bolt guys up. You can put a little weight on them, but you can't give guys athleticism. And it's a lot harder for guys like a Kyrie Lee to lose 20, 30 pounds. Like we've seen a lot of guys come through LSU's program who are heavier offensive linemen that never shed the weight. And it's just a tough thing to do. Talking to college coaches and just looking at raw data, you see what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame. He takes 260, 270, 280 pound linemen, bulks them up, moves some of them inside, plays the others at tackle. And then you've got really athletic guys at every position, which is key. I mean, we're looking at the SEC, these defensive linemen, Billy, they're not getting any less athletic. Those guys are getting more athletic as time goes on. So To be able to block them, you need guys who can move. And I like what LSU's approach is uh, with offensive line. It's offensive tackle heavy, athleticism. We'll bring them in. If they've got the frame and upside, we can bulk them up and and we can add strength. No problem. We believe in our strength and conditioning squad there. We just want the athleticism as a priority.
0: Yeah, and speaking of priorities and approach, uh, LSU sits in the 2024 uh, recruiting class rankings, 11th right now on on Three's industry ranking. It's important to note that On3 does it a little dif- differently. Um, we have it where you get rewarded in a sense for quality all throughout the process. So even if you don't necessarily have as many commitments, you're still, your class is being assessed by the quality of it. So um, we expect LSUs to continue to kind of rise up. I think On3 actually has LSU as a top 10 class. Um, It was number 10 last time I checked. They sit at the end of June, or at least uh, on the day that we're recording this, with 17 commitments on board. Uh, 76% are from the state of Louisiana, Um, as you're seeing here, some of the names. But Che, we've talked about how LSU has wanted to lock down the state of Louisiana, especially after last year's class, which was a little weird or whatever with the kind of the coaching change and some of the guys you knew you weren't going to get or whatever. This class, they're doing a really good job in the top 10. They're doing a good job getting some guys that have some upside out of Louisiana, which we always like to see. And now your top two guys on the on three industry ranking are Louisiana prospects. Andre Evans is a top prospect on three. What do you think of the approach so far and I think we're both – I know we're both in the let's not panic phase because it is June and about to be July, and there is a long way to go, and there are certain recruitments that seem like they're going to stretch out. But, I mean, do you think June was a success? Do you do you see this class sitting in a good spot right now just overall?
1: I think to unpack June would be a whole other podcast just because you got so many good evals in on younger guys and you had so many guys on campus that – are going to help for the future that that weighs in to me just as much as who you had on OVs, who you walked away with commits from who you might be trending for or not June just because of camps does so much more than just this current class. So when I look at the commit list though, yes, they will. Would you like them to add more heavy hitters? Absolutely. And and that time will come. I firmly believe we're only in June, but I like that they've put the emphasis on Louisiana and, In July, I'll have the piece that I've talked about. It's tons of research, but one thing that stands out about Louisiana is a Louisiana three-star who signs with LSU is 1.5 times more likely to get drafted than an out-of-state three-star who signs with LSU. Louisiana has the athletes. They have the players. If you can evaluate it correctly, you're going to walk away with guys that you can develop into Sunday players. And When I look at what they've done so far, Billy's kind of scrolling through it now on uh, YouTube and letting you look at it. They went out of state for a quarterback in Colin Hurley. Okay, so that position is done. They don't really need a running back in this class, but if there was one, it's Caden Durham, who they've been on. He's an out-of-state guy. At receiver, they have three commitments. We think it'll be four with Jelani Watkins. That would make half the group Louisiana receivers, and Jelani Watkins is Louisiana native, so it would make three of the four uh, Louisiana natives at tight end. They just signed three high school guys. They added a Juco guy and Connor Gilbreth. So this off season you're adding four guys that room with Mason Taylor. Do you need another beyond Tradez green? I don't know, but trade as green is one of uh, the top five uh, tight ends in the country. He's coming out of Louisiana just now actually transferring to play a senior year at Zachary. So that'll be fun to watch. We just talked about the O-line a good bit. If, and they'll continue to evaluate Louisiana offensive linemen. Perhaps someone pops up and they make a move on, but they've got the number one offensive lineman in Louisiana committed in Kyrie Lee. Now we've seen him go out of state. Uh, and again, Ethan Callaway announces Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but whether he is on board with LSU or they're trending for him, that's one of the top 10 offensive tackles in the country. And you're going all the way to the East coast to do it. Or there's a guy in Texas. We feel good about, it's always good to go into the border States because those are guys that you have a good chance to get and then aren't always quick to transfer because they're not from far away. And, and a guy like Warrior Williams would stick around and be developed. And when I look on the defensive side, people don't want to hear this, but when you've had three defensive line coaches in three years, Billy, because of all the coaching changes and then Jamar Cain moving to the NFL and them now having to hire a third name in Jimmy Lindsay in those three years, it's tough to maintain relationships with guys. And they've done a great job with Colin Simmons and there's other out of state guys out there. And there will be guys that Jimmy Lindsay reels in. I liked going after that group though of Ahmad bro. They made the move on Demirian Johnson to get him committed. Collage Cobbins is a bit of an edge linebacker type. They got him on board out of a state title team in Destrehan that uh, always produces top talent. So if you know, it was going to be an uphill battle to like, Land a ton of out-of-state defensive linemen you felt really good about. Then lock in the guys in-state that you feel good about. They did it. And linebacker is probably one of our favorite positions. You want to put Cobbins in there, great. But Devon Keyes in Texas has looked really good. Xavier Atkins is a guy who got on really early, and he's from Louisiana but moved to Texas, and that would give them, in theory right now, three linebackers. And then that DB room we talked about at the start of the pod, you added Andre Evans from out-of-state, Tennessee's number one prospect this month. But you got Juwan Johnson out of Louisiana, one of the best players in the state. You already got Wallace Foster on board, one of the best players in New Orleans for sure. You've locked up the two top safeties in Louisiana and Joel Rogers and Deshaun McBride. And you still got out there a Wardell Mack, who's one of the best DBs in the state, a guy I think a lot of coaches like at safety even more than corner. Uh, but Kai Bates, an out-of-state target. Jalen Crawford, an out-of-state target. Kobe Black an out-of-state target there. They are still going to be recruiting all these other spots, but they've made it very clear that early on they wanted to prioritize Louisiana. And, and I guess here at the end, icing on the cake or whatever you want to call it, Louisiana also happens to be home to one of the top three kickers in the country and Aaron Burrell, they got him committed. So you've touched on a lot of different needs, but also made sure not to let anybody in Louisiana leave. And that only leaves Billy right now a handful of guys that they have offered in Louisiana that are not committed anywhere and LSU is still in on, there is a chance they can clean sweep all these guys, which would have been a far cry from as you led off this conversation with a year ago. Yes, there were coaching changes. Yes. Arch Manning was never coming to LSU. I don't think Eli Holstein was ever coming to LSU. So there's different factors here, but regardless, they missed out on more than half of the top 10 in Louisiana that's the built-in recruiting advantage of LSU is Louisiana. If you're missing out on half the top 10, you're not taking advantage of it. So to see them turn around now and have a chance to maybe get all of the top 10 to go to LSU is a light year's difference and shows me that they knew where to start with prioritizing what has to happen in recruiting. And it's best players here leave, get all the best players to stay, then go nab those out-of-state prospects that really puts you into a top five class.
0: And, <clears throat> I I don't mind the strategy at all. I and I I think especially with this class it's the right approach. I mean, I I think there are a guy there's a guy here or there you could argue okay, all right, maybe they should have waited on, but I I don't think looking at all these guys I don't really have a gripe with them. I, we pretty much saw all of them in camp this summer um or I've seen them work out in another setting and I think the the Louisiana class right now, I'm I'm good with. Like it is, a, it is a good mixture of guys that have a lot of upside that are highly touted, um, maybe developmental or maybe kind of just you're you're betting on the trend, like you said, developing a Louisiana three star. And the three probably hardest gets. I don't think anyone will argue this. The three hardest gets in this class were always going to be. Dominic McKinley, Wardell Mack, and Tylen Singleton, all for very different reasons. You have Wardell Mack, who sits in a five-star type range for on three right now. He's in New Orleans, but still, there are plenty of programs that are going to come after him. Frank Wilson hasn't been back at LSU that long. LSU, you know, went through what it went through to get to this point. Then you have Dominic McKinley. Well, now the entire SEC is after him for the most part. You're going against some of the heavyweights. Tylen Singleton, the manny factor, can they actually break that and get somebody from that high school to come to LSU? Those are the three hardest ones to get. And we know there's going to be ebbs and flows with those recruitments. My question is at this point, do they need to get all three? Do they need to get two of three? And by two of three, I would say Mack and McKinley. To be successful in louisiana this 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 recruiting class overall
1: yeah i mean i'm i think you summed it up very well they have not gotten a manny guy recently and singleton's given him plenty of interest but does i mean even does he want to go play somewhere else does he want to land at a you know a tcu or uh some out of state school that's not an issue right Texas am i mean i, I don't know I, I he's kind of been mum on naming a leader or a team to beat or any of that and Look, he's Matt House has done a great job of getting in there, made a ton of visits to Manny, has got a good relationship with Thailand. But until they get a Manny guy, I'm not just going to comment on it. Like, I just want to see it happen first. The two guys who are South Louisiana guys, and McKinley out of Acadiana, and then obviously Wardell Mac out of New Orleans, there's not that fear of or worry of like, okay, can we get him? Like, the Acadiana area until two years ago maybe – had never really seen any kids recently leave for another school when LSU wanted them. You're wanting to reverse that trend, and I think that's why they made the move and got Demirian Johnson out of Westgate. You don't want that trend to continue of guys to leave out of Westgate, New Iberia. So they got on a guy like the uh, like him. I think that's the same with Dominic McKinley. They'll do whatever it takes to get him, and I'm in the same boat with Wardell Mack. And look, they have two good safeties right now, Joel Rogers and Deshaun McBride. Again, I think a lot of colleges – are viewing Wardell Mac as a guy who could help even more at safety, you'd love to be able to add him. And I just don't, I don't see Frank Wilson letting a John Eric kid get outside the state right now, especially if they want him and they consider him a need, which at this point they certainly do. So I'd feel I'd put him number one on the one I feel best about. McKinley, I am just so not in the I guess I'm in the dark. I don't think all these coaches are in the dark. I just think that he's so new to recruiting and he blew up in the spring that He's made all these visits now to other schools. LSU saved their OVs with all three of these guys, so they'll be able to get them on campus closer to signing day, which I think matters with in-state kids more than anything. I don't know if it's too early to call. I just – I still stick by – the. do I think Texas, Billy, or other schools have made a big impression? Absolutely. In six months, what do I think, when signing day arrives? I think that by then, LSU will have had them around campus enough Continue to build that bond, and then they'll know exactly, hey, what do we have to do to get him? Where, who is the the champion of the recruitment? You know, who around him do we really need to get in with and convince him? Look, this is the best decision for him. And when the dust settles, I think LSU is going to get him. I just don't, I can't see LSU putting this much of a concerted effort into Louisiana, but then not coming away with a guy
0: like McKinley. I I think for me, you nailed it on the head with these guys with with Louisiana overall because. One, Tylan, I think it's it's been quiet for all three, which is kind of like, all right, are you sure? But also Wardell Mac, I think has done a good job of taking his visits. I agree with you that Frank Wilson has a good feel for this recruitment, and that is the most important thing when you try to dive into these recruitments. How much of a handle does, and this goes for any school, does the assistant coach or the lead recruiter or whoever's involved Have on what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes with family, what's going on behind the scenes with visits. And that's the biggest key to having Frank Wilson, especially with Wardell Mack. So I don't worry there. Could somebody maybe come in and get him? It's recruiting, sure. But I think out of the three, I feel best about Wardell Mack. The thing about Dominic McKinley, not only is he new to it, but and this is from talking with sources, and I'm gonna drop a piece kind of on my thoughts on the top three guys in Louisiana that are uncommitted on Friday. My thing is, is everybody will sit there and say, "Well, this is a defensive lineman who is a five star in SEC territory. Everybody's going after him. Oh my gosh, he's going to be astronomical. Nil, just nil him, and he'll that'll keep him in Louisiana or whatever." I don't I don't think that family just rides like that. I just I just from talking to different people, they are very quiet. This is very new to them. I don't think they want to be involved in that sort of recruitment. I think they want to find where they feel at at best. That's why they've been to LSU multiple times. That's why they took all these official visits to different programs in June. The good thing for LSU the official visit is in the back pocket, which when you look at some of the actions, sometimes you say, you can sit there and say, you know, he took four other official visits elsewhere. Well, that's a cause for concern. Well, on the flip side, he's been to LSU multiple times. You fully expect him to take an official visit to LSU, right? Those are all some of the reading the tea leaves things that are tough for us at times to work through. But I think as quiet as he is, they're a family that, I think, understand what he can obviously get in NIL at some point. But because they're so new to this and the schools have come so quickly, everybody's kind of on the same level as far as where they started. You know, the rush for Dominic McKinley truly started in late November, early December, but especially January. And I I think that's the one where you've got to – if you're LSU – Jimmy Lindsay's got to buckle in, Frank Wilson, all the support staff that knows people in that area. That's where you've got to be able to make it that family vibe to stay home and play for LSU like a lot of Acadiana kids have done through the years. And then Tylen Singleton, I just think Matt House has to just keep doing what he's doing and try to really you know, hone in on, on sharing how big of a need he is for them because they don't have somebody like a Tylan Singleton um, really on the roster. Uh, so if their plan for him to play that kind of nickel linebacker position is is there, he's got that ability to come in and play it. So there are three very different recruitments going on that have very different approaches that I think LSU can take too.
1: Yeah, and I'll wrap up the pod here, Billy, by saying, at least giving my final thoughts on the number one player in the state, who is McKinley, Dominic McKinley, coming out of Acadiana. You want to land that elite defensive lineman. You don't want to let him leave the state. And at that point, LSU does do anything they have to do to get him. But remember, Jimmy Lindsay is in the very beginning stages here of being able to build a relationship with McKinley. He's got six, seven months to do it. When we talked to people at South Carolina who worked closely with the program, who knew Jimmy Lindsay very well, who followed recruiting, they said that one of Jimmy Lindsay's best things is like that you can look up and he's in with everyone in the family and they've got a really tight bond and he can do it quickly. So I'm anxious, not anxious, I'm eager to see if that happens with Dominic McKinley because six, seven months, that's a good amount of time. If he's an in-state kid who's 30 minutes down the road and you're a new hire to really get in there and make a relationship. And from everyone I talked to at South Carolina, Jimmy Lindsay was the D-line coach at South Carolina uh, before LSU. They all said the biggest thing, especially with recruiting is he knew how to get in and make relationships with a family and a kid to where, whether they were committed, they wouldn't even entertain other schools or whether they wanted to get them to commit. He always had them right there as one of the top two schools or potentially landing them because of relationships. So I'm, I'm these next six, seven months for Jimmy Lindsay. And I can promise you from talking around to sources, prioritizing Dominic McKinley in that relationship is right there at the top. So I do think that when the dust settles a guy like McKinley, we're going to view LSU's chances of getting McKinley a lot better in four or five months than we are right now. When, as you noted, it still feels like the very beginning of his process. He's just taking visits everywhere.
0: Yeah. So uh, he has wrapped up his official visits. Now we'll see if he gets to LSU uh, in July. I, I don't think he made it in June. Uh, but uh, they will have that recruiting weekend in July, so we'll see if he gets to LSU. That would be a, I think, a big sign just before his, his senior year. Gets going to uh, see him make that visit, and it's kind of same with Tylen and Wardell and guys like that. So um, LSU is not going to give up. Those are three very big keys to their class and and how people view it and all those things. And trust me, uh, they get it uh, in terms of how big of a priority it is to close out those guys. But Shay, this is to close it out. I mean, recruiting is just kind of wild. I mean, you get a C.J. Jackson who stays home in Atlanta. He's got the aviation piece that he wanted at Georgia Tech. Kind of a surprise, but that's recruiting. You see Colin Simmons getting RPMs to Texas, and guess what? I I mean, just by who I talk to, I don't see that recruitment being over until December. So there's all these little emotional bumps and uh, dips and all those things. But, I mean, it's not – It's July is coming soon, but – it's only July.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm on board with you 100. I don't, I don't know. I still can't put my finger on why. On the Bengal Tiger message boards this week, there was like some melting going on, and that like all of a sudden it was a panic button. Like, are we okay? But they did this same thing last summer when at the time they only had five commitments, and they were like, "Can Brian Kelly recruit?" They go and finish with the top five class. So with Brian Kelly as the head coach, with them coming off winning the West, with a lot of staff members who are very good position recruiters, and then with Frank Wilson being the point man who's done this for a long time and has done it at LSU multiple times, I'm not worrying. The guys, the people in charge right now, I have full faith are recognizing anything that a fan looking at recruiting rankings could come with. So whether it's whether it's positionally whether it's landing bigger out of state guys whether it's locking down those top few in-state guys we talked about certainly none of that's lost on them Uh, and they've got a big recruiting staff Brian Kelly's invested in a ton of off-field personnel uh, who are just strictly recruiting so LSU isn't just going to sit around and drift into the top 15 and out of the top 20 or anything like that this is a class that's only going to continue to get better
0: Yep. So we'll be there to cover it for you guys every step of the way. Um, and uh, we appreciate everybody who's jumped on the bengal tiger.com as well. As subscribe to our YouTube channel. Maddie B is starting our uh, preseason opponent previews. So those will be fun. And we'll be starting to preview fall camp next uh, next week, really, and, and into the month, or I, I, guess, I guess I should say. Um, so be sure to be on the lookout for all of that. And of course, we'll be here with you guys on the recruiting pod too. So uh, June has been fun. It's been a crazy busy month. Uh, but hopefully for LSU fans, they get good news on Friday and uh, maybe some more good news to come in July. So for Shea Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. It's time to uh, celebrate the 4th of July, get a little break, and we'll be back after that uh, with another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Everybody have a happy and safe 4th of July.